There was a study that came out in May of this past year, 2018, and the study found that nearly half of all Americans feel lonely, with young people in particular experiencing the brunt of this pain. There was a nationwide survey of 20,000 adults that was conducted by Cigna that found that 54% of all respondents said that they felt like no one actually knows them well. Additionally, 56% said that they surround themselves with people, though, who really aren't with them. Approximately 40% said they lack companionship and that their relationships aren't meaningful and that they feel isolated from other people. Half of Americans view themselves as lonely, said David Cordani, the chief of Cigna, the company that did this survey. He added that social isolation can also have an effect on health. There's a blurred line between mental and physical health, he said. Oftentimes, medical symptoms present themselves and they're correlated with mental, lifestyle, behavioral issues like loneliness. Additionally, the survey found that younger Americans are hit harder by loneliness. The generation born between in the mid-1990s and early 2000s, or Generation Z, is coming to age now and feels lonely the most, researchers found. These respondents had an average loneliness score of 48.3 compared to the average score for all Americans of 44. Millennials scored 45.3. Baby boomers in the greatest generation scored just below the American average at 42.4 and 38.6, respectively. Kind of amazing statistics, aren't they? And maybe a little bit sobering. But I didn't share that just for the sake of statistics this morning. I shared it because I thought it was interesting who conducted the survey. It was by Cigna Group, which is a health insurance company. And they are saying that loneliness can have a huge effect on physical health. But if loneliness can affect us that much even physically, how much does loneliness affect us at a soul level? And we've been talking about this idea of soul care for the past several weeks, and there's uh, notes in the back of your outline there in the bulletin if, if you want to look at that and just some of the different ways that we feel the stress in our souls. And this week we, we look at a new issue too where we actually feel this idea of loneliness or isolation, or maybe you feel like nobody really gets you. Or maybe you feel like you have nobody to talk to. Or maybe you feel like you're sitting in a room full of people here this morning, and yet you're sitting here completely alone, and you feel that enveloping loneliness. Sometimes we can feel marginalized or forgotten or abandoned, or sometimes we just feel like we're invisible, don't we? All these people everywhere, and nobody really has any clue what's going on inside us. Well, we've been asking this question every week, and I'll ask it again this week. How is it with your soul today? How is it with your soul today? Because if you're feeling any sense of isolation, loneliness, aloneness, forgottenness, marginalization, whatever it is, if you're feeling any of those things, then it's probably not going great in your soul today. Well, let me tell you two things. First of all, it's this. It's not supposed to be that way. We were created for relationships. In fact, we are created in the image of God, who was a relational God. And we know that because God is in three persons, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. 
Even God in his own nature and character is relational. And then he created man for the purpose of relationship. And when he created man, he made man to be in relationship. He put Adam on the earth and said it's not good for him to be alone. And so he put Eve there as well so that man would have relationship with his own kind as well. And then he gave us a book which is all about relationships. And there's a lot of different themes that you could find in the Bible. But relationships are woven throughout the course of Scripture. The Ten Commandments are about relationships. In fact, Jesus distilled it down to two commandments. The first one is love God with all of your heart. That's relationship. And the second one is love your neighbor as yourself. That's relationship as well. And so relationships are at the core of who we are as a person. And it's the core of who we are and the purpose that we have too. And so when our souls crave relationships and when they don't have them, it shouldn't surprise us, but there should be some hope in that too. That craving is because God put that inside us because the way it's supposed to be is that we have relationships. But that's not the only thing I want to say this morning. It's not supposed to be this way, but it doesn't have to be this way either. And so if you're sitting here this morning, I want to offer some encouragement. In fact, that's really the point of our talk this morning. The point is this, what do you do when you find yourself in this condition? Or what do you do when your soul feels alone? Well, I think there's some good answers that we could find in Scripture here. And we'll talk about those in just a minute. But let me just stop before we go any further and just mention something and look at at this idea of why do we find ourselves in this condition sometimes of feeling lonely or alone or isolated or uh, separated, withdrawn, whatever. Why do we find ourselves in this condition? Oftentimes, it's our fault. We can get too busy sometimes, and when we get busy, we have a tendency to what just get ourselves in task and we lose track of our relationships. Sometimes it's our fault because in our relationships, we put up walls and we withdraw and we step back and it's a defense mechanism. And sometimes we do that so that we can protect ourselves because we don't want anybody to see what's going on inside of us. And our vulnerability issues become a problem for us because it pushes people to the outside of us. Sometimes we become prickly and sometimes we become judgmental. And all of these things affect our relationships. Sometimes we abuse relationships. We become overly dependent on somebody and and we wear them out. Or sometimes, you know, we are constantly complaining to somebody. And sometimes our drama we take and we dump on somebody else and it's like, you know, and they see you coming and they run and hide because they don't have the emotional uh, strength for that moment. Sometimes it's just because we're too much about ourselves. And we get so wrapped up in our own world that we crowd other people out or we can get so wrapped up in our own pity sometimes that we don't allow other people in. And so sometimes the reason we feel this way is our fault. Sometimes we feel this way because we're not making the effort to have it be any other way. Sometimes, though, it's not even our fault. Sometimes relationships just drift apart. The people that you grew up with, you know, everybody goes off to college and everybody goes in different directions. Or maybe it's the, that your kids, 
you know, you've grown up and in, in going to sports, to soccer, to basketball, volleyball, whatever like that. And the same parents were always there on the sidelines and you got to be friendly with them. But, you know, now your kids are grown and gone. And, and so those friendships dissipate as well. Sometimes you move to a new physical geographical location. Sometimes people move away from us. And as we get older, there's this idea that, that a lot of our friendships drift off even just physically. As we all go in different directions and the older we get, the harder it is to do relationships. But that doesn't mean we're without help. And that doesn't mean that we're without hope. And so I would say this morning, we can deal with this and we can figure out some steps that we can take. And it all comes to this idea of being intentional about forming a supporting cast, forming a supporting cast. And that's a term that comes from acting. Whether you're doing a movie or whether you're doing a play or drama, we have the main character in the, the, in the plot. And then we surround that character with various people to make the story come alive. Now, the story is about whoever has the leading role, and in your story, you have the leading role. And that's not a pride thing or selfish thing or whatever. Just you are you, right? And so in your story, you have to be you. And all these other people, they can't have your role because they can't be you. So in your story, you have this leading role of you, but you're extremely dependent upon a supporting cast. You can do this, and they have these one-man plays, and maybe you've seen something like this where, where one person uh, does a drama. You have to be incredibly gifted, incredibly good as far as an actor goes uh, to be able to pull that off. But in life, nobody's good enough to pull off the solitary life thing. And nobody's good enough to live out their story without having a surrounding and a supporting cast. But if we're not careful and intentional, that cast can start to drift away and we can find ourselves very, very isolated. It's interesting to me to note that Jesus had a, su- a supporting cast. Did you ever think about that? Twelve guys who traveled with him. And sure, he had picked them because he was going to train them and he was going to teach them and eventually they would become the leaders in his place once he went back to heaven. And sure, that was part of the story, but I also think it was bigger and deeper than that. These were the guys that he hung out with. These were the guys that he laughed with. And I think probably when you, when you start to look at some of the personalities of some of these disciples that he had, I think there were probably some, some crazy times and some loud times and some, some boisterous times, but these were his, this was his supporting cast. This was his, his tribe. They were even his go-to guys. I mean, when he needed something, he'd say, Hey, could you go track this down for me? Or, Hey, we got to feed these 5,000 people. Can you hand out these food? I mean, he was in it with them and these guys stood in support most of the time. But the story we look at this morning is a time when they completely blew it, when Jesus desperately needed them to be his support team, and they were totally clued out and tuned out as well. And so let me invite you to go with me to Matthew chapter 26 this morning and to look at a story that's essentially a story of failure. But in this story, we find some ideas of what a supporting cast should look like. 
And then we want to add to that a little bit. We're actually going to go back a little bit to the passage that we looked at last week. And there's a few more ideas that we could find there. And look at a couple other ones as well. But this morning, what I want to do is through this story is to pull out some some roles that your supporting cast is going to play. And, and to say that you need somebody to play this role and somebody to play this role and somebody to play this role. And so this morning as we look and say, you know what, I need relationships in my life. I want relationships in my life. I want to start by saying, here's the type of relationships that we should be looking for. And here's the types of roles that we need people to play in our stories. Well, Matthew chapter 26, the last supper has just ended. Jesus, Judas has already walked out. Jesus has already predicted that Peter's going to deny him. And they leave the upper room and they go out to the garden. And Jesus is going to pray. And it tells us in Matthew 26, verse number 36, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. He said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And so Jesus is experiencing soul distress in this moment. And I point that out because it's a good reminder to us that Jesus knows exactly what it feels like to be overwhelmed or to have a sorrowful soul. And you want to know what it feels like? It feels really lonely. But I think that's just encouragement to us, isn't it? Sometimes when you do feel alone, because it seems to be coupled with a lot of stress or distress or pain or anguish or or sorrow. But Jesus is feeling that in this moment, and he's facing death. And the cross is just hours away. And he knows that he's going to be given on that cross, and he knows the suffering that's going to go on, and he feels these incredible emotions. And so what does he do? Where does he turn? He turns to his friends. Now, yes, he turns to God, and he goes off and prays, but he says to his friends, would you please come with me? Would you come sit with me? Would you come be present in this moment with me. And isn't that fascinating? That the Son of God turns to human beings and asks for help. But maybe that should be an encouragement to us, and maybe it should give us permission even, to sometimes in our story say to somebody, hey, you know what, I'm going to need your help right now. And maybe we don't say it in those terms, but maybe in our friendships and our relationships, we reach out and say, I'm struggling right now, and I'm going to need somebody. Now, most of us, we don't have that mechanism in our repertoire, do we? Because we're always putting up the face about how strong we are, about how we're doing great, and how, and how um, you know, we can handle this and whatever. And maybe we just need to say, you know what? I need to open myself up to the input of others. So verse number 38, Jesus said to them, and to them would be Peter, James, and John. He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And he's pouring his soul out, and they don't even get it. If they've been paying any attention, whatever, they're watching Jesus in the most intense emotional moment of his life on earth, and they don't even get it. 
And so Jesus goes off and prays, and they go off and fall asleep. When they could have been helping him, when they could have offered support. And they could have offered support in some very simple ways. One simple way that they could have offered support in one simple type of support that we should be looking for is we need people to offer their presence in our stories. In that moment, Jesus did not want to be alone. He said, would you guys come with me? And there are times in life where we simply need people to be with us. And that's okay. It doesn't mean we're weak or anything. It just means that we're human in, in that moment. We need people who will go through it with us, who will just be there, who whatever the moment brings will show up and will show up in the role of, you know, they don't have anything big to say. They just come and they listen and they sit with us. And some of us have been through times of incredible loss or incredible grief where people show up in our stories. And it's not what they say, is it? It's just that they show up and sit down and say, hey, I'm here. You need a thing. And we need people in our stories who fill that role where they're just present. I got nothing to say. I got no big words of advice. I don't even know that I have any big words of comfort other than just say, I'm here. Well, Jesus goes on in verse number 39, going a little further. He fell on his face towards the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, but not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you not keep watching me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Here's the second role that we need filled. We need people in our stories who will carry us in prayer. We need people in our stories who will carry us in prayer. And Jesus was looking for three disciples to pray with him, but they were tuned out. But we need those people who will pray for us. And that's a powerful thing, isn't it? You ever had somebody say, hey, I'll pray for you, and you know they meant it? Or maybe somebody says, hey, let me pray with you right now. It's pretty powerful to hear somebody praying over you. We get together a lot of the Waterford pastors and uh, from time to time, for, for, and we'll have lunch. But sometimes we'll just meet at one of the guy's churches and uh, where, where he serves. And one of the things we do often is we'll just gather together and often come into the auditorium of the church and just gather around that pastor and pray for that pastor. But it's a powerful thing to be in that moment, but it's a powerful thing for that pastor to hear that. And maybe you've had that experience where somebody prayed for you. When my mom passed away years and years and years ago, I had a woman in the church come to me named Millie Trezice. And she said, you know, Brent, and I was a young guy at that time. She said, I know your mom prayed for you every day. And I know she's gone now. She said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you every day. I have no idea what possessed her to say that or where she came up with that idea, but I knew that every single day Millie Trezice was praying for me. Crazy thing, I still remember that. Millie's been gone for a long time too. But prayer is an incredibly powerful thing, and when somebody is verbally praying over you, it brings a lot of strength into your story. 
Well, let me keep going with some other roles that we need to fill in. And these lean a little bit in the passage that we looked at last week where Paul was talking to Timothy. But we need people who will provide us with perspective. I think this is one of the toughest things when we're dealing with hardship in our lives is we get about this far away from something and we can't get our heads around the scope of it, the size of it, what direction we need to go, how we need to handle it, how we should be responding to it. And we have a tendency to take things and just blow them up because that's all that we can see. It's right here. And we need people in our story who will step back for us since we can't do it ourselves and say, you know what, you need to get the big picture here. And Paul did this with Timothy. Timothy, you're timid here, but you need to step back and get the big picture. Like, you know, God has given you gifts, and you have God's presence in your store, and you can track that. And you have God's power at work all the time. And, you, and God's always giving you the ability to need to do But we need people in our lives who will step back and give us perspective. Who are the people in your story who, when you're struggling, can you go to and say, hey, you know what, help me think this through. Help me see this the way that I need to see this. Help me handle this the way that I need to handle this. Who are the people that can give you some advice? Sometimes it's even the people who can give you some correction, some course direction. Say, hey, you know what? You're not going. The way you're handling this, I don't think that's a good way to go. I think you need to look at this over here. But we need people to give us perspective. We also need people who will make proclamations over us. And I just threw that word proclamation, and I confess because I was using all these words that started with P, and that one fed, okay? But here's the idea. We need people in our story who tell us the truth verbally out loud. And this is what Paul was actually doing in the letter that he was sending to to Timothy, and he couldn't do it out loud because it was via letter. But he was saying, here's what the truth is, Timothy. Timothy, you have a gift. And we need people in our lives who will speak God's truth for us. Sometimes it's like, you know what? God still cares about you. You know, God is in control. This is going to be okay. God may be using this and showing something. This God is at least paying attention to what's going on. I mentioned a book back a, a few weeks ago, and I recommend it again when we started this series by Lisa Turquist, uh, Turkhurst. Uh, um, the book is uh, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. She's got some great material in this book, but she was struggling through all these things in her life. She said, I had friends, and I just invited them into my story, and I would say to them, do you think God still loves me? And they would say, yes, God still loves you. Do you think God's mad at me? No, God's not mad at you. And she talked about this, how she needed to hear those words of truth and affirmation. And in our stories, we need people who will literally verbally, out loud, speak truth to us to remind us of God's promises. We did a little exercise at the end of a message back a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about comfort, where we said, here's some truths, and we actually turned and spoke them to each other. But we need those people in our story. We need people also who will bring us positivity or faith. We need people who will believe in us and cheer for us, who know how to encourage us, who know how to give us pep talks when we need it. When I was going through one of the biggest challenges of my life, I had a guy who who contacted me. It was just through Facebook. He said, hey, I just know what you're going through. I want you to know I want to be on your encouragement team. Now, he never did anything after that. But it was really encouraging just to hear that, right? 
And I love that idea. I want to be on your encouragement team, but we need people to be on our encouragement team. And I think that's what Paul was for Timothy. Solomon talks about this idea, though, of supporting cast too. And he says this in Ecclesiastes. Verse, uh, chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. The pity of the man who falls down and has no one to help him up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And Solomon's point is this, we need people who will share their power with us. There are going to be times in life when you do not have enough strength to do it on your own. And you're going to need somebody to say, it's okay, let me be there with you. We can handle this together. You know, you have to, you have to have this you know, difficult conversation. Well, I'll be in there in this moment. Or you have to sit in this difficult situation. I can be there. And somebody who can share power with us. It's okay to be weak. It's okay sometimes to say, you know what? I'm not sure I can handle this. Could you help me? And then finally, we need people who will help us function as partners. They'll serve as partners and they'll carry the load with us. Paul talks about that in Galatians chapter six, number two, or verse number two. He says, carry each other's burdens. In this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Sometimes we just need people in our stories who will carry our burdens for us. Now, here's the deal, though. These are the roles of the supporting cast. Let me put them back up here for you, okay? We have the, the uh, somebody who comes with presence or somebody who comes with prayer or somebody who comes with perspective or somebody who is good at proclaiming truth in my life or somebody who comes with positivity and faith, somebody who provides power, somebody who is a partner. And I think this is what Jesus was looking for in Peter, James, and John, but he didn't find that. And yet... In verse number 40, he returns to disciples. He found some sleeping. He says, couldn't you keep watching me for one hour? He says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And he went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he found them sleeping again because their eyes were heavy. And it tells us in one of the other gospels, he said to them, go ahead and sleep. And he left them and he went away one more time and he prayed the third time saying the same thing and returned to the disciples and said, are you still sleeping and wrestling, uh, resting? Look, the hour is near and the Son of Man is betrayed in the hand of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And there's two things just in those verses. The first one is if your supporting cast lets you down, you still have the Father. He turned first to the disciples and they failed. And then he turned to God. And that was the plan all along. But the other thing is when he comes back and finds them sleeping, he's like, okay, you guys go ahead and sleep. And he shifts his concern from himself to them. And that's a really, really important point to consider because here's the million-dollar question. How do we find people like this? And how we've approached this subject, I've actually gone about it a little bit backwards here this morning. Because I said, you need to find people who can pray for you. You need to find people who will give you perspective. Or you need to find people who can, who can share their power with you. The question is, where do we find these people? 
Well, to be super practical this morning, I want to give you some ideas of where you might find these people for your story. And uh, I'm going to give you five or six ideas here. And what I'd like you to do is I give you these ideas is I would like you to try to identify somebody who fits this category. And if you need to, write it down, but at least make a mental note of who might be this person. Who could I invite into my story? Who could I open myself up to? Who could be a person to help me when my soul is dealing with this loneliness issue? Or when my soul is in pain and I desperately need somebody to say, yeah, I get it. Well, here's the first group. Who are the people in your life right now? Who are the relationships that you have? Somebody that you know, where you could take that relationship just one step further into a little bit deeper level. Who is somebody that you know right now that you at least have a casual friendship with? Where if you stopped and thought about it, you're like, you know what? We could probably take that a little bit deeper where we could talk about something other than just the weather. We could actually talk about, you know, how are you doing today and it would actually mean something. Who's that person? Second group of people that you might lean into here. Are there past relationships that you've had where you can and maybe even should revive them? So maybe it's somebody in the past that you've lost track of or, or you've drifted apart. And maybe it's just physical distance that's made that happen. But where you could say, you know what, I could lean back into that relationship that I had. And maybe you can even remember a time with that person where some of these roles that are on the screen back here, you experience that with each other. That's a good possibility for you. Another way or another place that you could find more of your supporting cast, are you aware of someone that you know or know of, but you're really not friends with them. You just kind of know them from a distance or you know who they are, where you could take that step to say, you know what, I, you know, I'd like to meet you or, you know, hey, could we grab a coffee sometime or something like that? So it's somebody that's in the periphery that you could lean into a little bit. How about this? A fourth idea here. How about family relationships? There's a lot of possibility here. And sometimes, you know, it's, you know, husband and wife, and that makes sense. Sometimes it's parent and child, but that makes sense too. Um, but there are other family relations that you have. Sometimes it's a cousin, or it could be. Or maybe it's a sibling, like a brother. Or maybe it's like a mother-in-law. We talked to somebody not too long ago who said, you know, this, my mother-in-law has been the single greatest influence in my life. Or, or, you know, who is it in your story? I, working with somebody else who's who's the most caring and concerned and plugged-in person in, in this story is this aunt. This is an adult man. But maybe there's somebody in your family, even a grandparent, where you can say, you know what, I can take that relationship into this realm where I can find support as well. Here's another idea. Just pray that God brings somebody new into your story. 
and open up your eyes and see what he does. You can make that prayer. Here's another idea. How about taking advantage of available opportunities where we already have groups or people that are set up to offer this kind of support? For instance, small groups. And Chris mentioned earlier that our small groups are working through a book right now about what it means to be the church. But one of the points of that group is that as the church, we offer support to each other. If you're in a small group, this is a great way for you to plug in and to start to deal with some of these issues of loneliness. How about support groups? There are groups out there like Grief Share. That's a good, you know, if you're dealing with loss, that's a great opportunity. And, you know, divorce care. Some people going through divorce, wow, you feel isolated and lonely there. That's a great opportunity. Or even counseling would be something that you could take advantage of. And so if we're intentional about it, we actually can start to identify some potential relationships here. Then all that we really need to do is take that step, which is scary because you're going to have to be vulnerable, because you're going to have to put yourself at risk, because you might you know, get rejected and we're already dealing with those feelings at some of them, but you still need to do it. There's one final idea here, and this is really the big one, okay? When it comes to finding somebody to care for your soul, the best idea is to take the first step towards somebody else. Because just like you need a supporting cast, so does every other person on this planet. And that supporting cast is going to be made up of people like you. And so here is really the key idea. Instead of just saying, who can be in my supporting cast? We need to ask this question this way. Who needs me to be in his or her supporting cast? Who needs me to just be there in presence? Who needs me to pray over them? Who needs me to offer some perspective? Who needs me to speak truth in their story? Who needs me to bring some faith and positivity? And you know what? God can do this. He can work this out. Who needs me to share the power that I have? Who needs me to be a partner? And that's really the key. Because we all want the supporting cast. But if we will all step into playing a supporting role, guess what we're going to find? There's a guy by the name of Bill Withers. That ring a bell? That name with anybody? He was a singer-songwriter in the 1970s. He had an album that was called Still Bill, and he had one number one single. Let me read the words to it. I could. I was thinking about singing it this morning. That's kind of painful, guys, okay? You're supposed to be supporting me. He said, that, here's the words. Lean on me when you're not strong. I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on, or it won't be long. So I'm going to need somebody to lean on. Just call on me, brother, when you need a hand. We all need somebody to lean on. 
I might just have a problem that you'll understand. We all need somebody to lean on. And it's everything I can do not to ask you all to sing with me. Because you know what? Lean on me when you're not strong, right? That song, whoever Bill Withers was, gets the essence of this concept. Because we're all going to need somebody to lean on. So you lean on me, and I'll lean on you. And when we really take this to heart, we're going to start to address that soul issue of aloneness and isolation and feeling like nobody knows what's going on in our story and that we don't connect with anybody and all those issues. And that's the challenge this morning.